a united church. Understand, receive, and experience the power of what? Unity in what? Fellowship. This is volume two. Message number two. God's purposes for unity in fellowship. Can I say that again? God's purposes for what? Unity in fellowship, part two. God's purposes for unity in fellowship, part two. A purpose of a thing is the primary thing for which that thing is made. The function, the goal. That is meant to offer the user. That's the meaning of purpose. The reason for which something exists or is done, made or used. In other words, it is the desired result for which something is made. Amen? It is that desired result, the end result. As intended or desired result or end aim or goal. Praise God. It's important that we understand the reason for which something exists or is done. Praise the Lord. That's purpose. And I said something last week and it resonated with some of you. You know, people go about looking for God's purposes in their lives. And I said something, that the easiest way to find God's purpose in your life is to find the purpose, God's purpose, in the things he has made available to you for your experience. Praise God. Did you remember me saying that? All right. (laughs) Amen. Let me say that again. Finding God's purposes for our lives is best done by our first finding his purpose or purposes in the personal or corporate purposes, plans and provisions he has made available to us. So if we find the purpose in the things God has given us to use or to experience in our lives, there we will find our own purpose in life. Can I see, you want me to say that again? I tell you, I, I mean, I go to churches, I minister, and people come on the prayer line. Most of the time, what I'm hearing, what do you want me to pray for you? I want to find God's purpose in my life. And I want to say this to you. God's purpose in your life is in scripture already. You can pray all you want. Amen? Unless you begin to walk in line with scripture, you will not find God's purpose in your life. Praise the Lord. So I'll pray for them, but at the end of the day we talk and we discuss. A lot of people are sincere, but they don't know how to grapple with life. They don't know where to, especially in church. People are confused in church. I'm telling you, because this preacher will say something, that preacher will say another thing. I I mean, this weekend I was looking at Facebook, and there were this thing about money in church. I had two preachers we are highlighted debating it. Amen? Amen. Uh, and the way they did it on Facebook is interesting. 
Uh, this preacher will say something. If you sow a seed for $1,000, God is going to do, 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 do. The other preacher say, if any preacher said sow a seed and you, your house is paid off, he say, a lie. I looked at both of them. You know what? Both of them are on the extreme. Both of them. Check scripture. Everything is clear in scripture. I'm telling you the truth. The reason why people create controversies out of scripture is lack of understanding. Scripture is clear on any issue. But people, when it comes to spiritual things, the only place I don't see them do it is in physical things. When it comes to spiritual things, people like to fly an airplane with one wing. Did you hear me? Especially in church. The commonest, the most commonly used airplanes in church have one wings. One wing. <laughs> but take them to JFK and say, the only flight remaining is a very big, good plane, but it has one wing. You say, dear Lord Jesus, deliver me. There's bind and lose. But when it comes to spiritual things, they are willing to take off on an airplane with one wing. Praise God. So, let me say that again. The easiest way to find God's purpose for your life is find his purpose in the things he has commanded you to do. He has shown you. Take for instance, he, God commanded us to believe in, in unity in fellowship. Is that correct? When you find the, God's purpose for unity in fellowship, there is a major area of his purpose in your life that you will discover. Do you understand? Take for instance, if you understand God's importance on fellowship, if you understand his purpose in fellowship, and you begin to walk in it, a lot of things will be manifested to you. His kingdom purposes will be manifested for you. His kingdom plans for your life will be made clear. His provisions will be made clear. Your calling and your gift will stand out. But you are not a person of fellowship. And all of a sudden, you saw the light one day. And you want to be a minister traveling around the world. <laughs> Laying hands on people and prophesying over people. Meanwhile, you have not been a person of fellowship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very good. That's what is happening. Lone rangers all over the place. People who have no station. Spiritual station. Who have no airport. Have you ever seen a plane that has no designated airport that is going to land? You know what you can tell about that plane? It's always asking for emergency landing. I'm just telling you the truth. Every time he sees them, can I land here? Can I land here? And there are many Christians like that. Looking for a place to land. Who is your pastor? Excuse me. Do you understand? Praise God. Where's your local congregation? I, 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 watch, I watch TBN. That's my church. The Lord said, told me, stay here. And don't go anywhere. I will teach you right in your sofa. Haven't you heard stuff like that? No, I've heard. The Lord said to me, don't go to any church. Say, I will teach you by myself. Which Lord? The one who taught us about fellowship? Do you understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of things going around, and you have to be careful. Ask people, where are you speaking from? What scripture are you standing on? 
Praise God. Not too long ago, a woman was encouraging a pastor who was bashing other churches, other pastors. Say, man of God, tell them. Because of what is happening. That's why the Lord told me not to go to any church. To start one in my house. Do you understand? He's going to start one in her house. Huh? You know what will happen? By the time they get up to five people, they have their own doctrine. <laughs> Praise God. So, and it is important to find out the purpose for which God gives anything he gives us. Did God give us life? Find purpose for life. Don't, before you find your purpose in your life. No, you don't understand. Did you get what I'm saying now? Did God give us life? Okay, so first thing you do, find God's purpose in life. For, for giving life. Before you find your purpose in the life God has given you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we will go on and look at another point. And this point is that there are several definite purposes, plans, and provisions for unity in fellowship. For God's purpose. There are many definite points. Purposes and plans that God has marked out for the unity in fellowship that he has given us. Last, but we were going to look at a few definite ones. Maybe about six or seven of them. Let's start. We started last week. And the first one we looked at last week, the first one was that, and of course I want you to understand here, that when we talk about fellowship, we don't primarily mean fellowship meeting. Are you hearing me? What we are having this morning is a fellowship meeting. Huh? Or Sunday morning service. It's a fellowship meeting. The service we have, all night prayer meeting, is a fellowship meeting. The service we had on Thursday is a fellowship meeting. Many churches have their different times for fellowship meeting. But beyond the meeting, there is a what? A fellowship. Whether we gather here at 4550 or not, we are a fellowship of God's people. Are you following? And to be honest with you, fellowship is made much more easier now than for people who lived thousands of years ago. Today, after the service is over, over the week, we can keep in, in contact. Is that correct? By phone, by iPad. I can even FaceTime you. When we give our life to Christ, when we share the grace, that's it. Until next fellowship meeting. But this evening, I can FaceTime you, I inbox you. I'm getting young every day, I'm using their words. Inbox me. The first time they told me that, I said, what's that? They gave me a lecture. The pastor just inbox me. As if I know what they're talking about. I said, what's that? Don't try me now. I'm not giving to give you. They will give you. Not me. Oh. <laughs> Before I, I box you. I don't want to do that. Praise the Lord. So we can have first time. We can inbox before next Sunday. Before Thursday. We can send the text. We can keep in touch. Do you see what God is doing for our generation? If we will have to meet by tomorrow evening on an emergency for good, we can get a lot of people here. Look at what God has done for us 
in this day and age. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So that we might have more quality fellowship than any other generation ever had. Wow. So we have to understand what fellowship is. Beyond the meeting time. Meeting time is important. So important that God said, do not forsake it. Praise God. But beyond the meeting time, that's a fellowship. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. First purpose we saw is that our fellowship provides a revelation of the nature of the Godhead. Remember that? By the Godhead, we mean God in his full nature, in his full stature of Father, Son, and Spirit. What we call the what? The triune God. Is that correct? Huh? Father is God, Son is God, Spirit is God. There are three persons in one God. Do you see fellowship there? Amen. But three persons together, that's fellowship. As one, that's what unity. Do you understand that? Amen. We saw that. And we saw that that's God's consistent primary nature. It's called the Trinity or the Triunity. Praise the Lord. And we saw in the Bible, in many places when this happened, the last place we looked at was when God visited Abraham. Is that correct? On his way to Sodom. The Bible kept interchanging between three men and one. And one person. Is that correct? That's how God wants us to function. Amen. We can function as multiple people, multiple persons, but we can always be in agreement as what? One. Is that clear? And the way God has made it possible is through fellowship. Praise the Lord. If you look at us here, we came from different mothers, different fathers biologically, with a few exceptions. We come from different languages. Is that correct? But we can act and agree as one. Isn't that a miracle? Amen. Some of us have food preferences. Some of us have all kinds of preferences. But we can come together on certain grounds. Is that correct? Amen. And we can grow up together. And God is doing that among us so that he can also reveal the nature of his own person. Praise God. So as we come to fellowship, let's get ready. We will, by our understanding unity in fellowship, we'll be revealing the nature of God to the world. Remember Jesus prayed that they might be what? One. Even as you, the Father, and I as what? One. It is Jesus yearning that these people might be in a position through fellowship to reveal your nature. In not through the nature of my relationship with you as one. You know what he told Philip? Have I been with you and you do not know me? Because Philip said to him, show us the father. He said, have I been with you and you don't know me? Do you not know, Philip, that he that has seen me has seen the father? Did you see that? That's Jesus' point is to reveal the entire Godhead. The Bible says he is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Praise God. In the body of Jesus, the Father was there. Jesus is the body. The Spirit was in him. 
in that way, we, when we come together, there is a nature of God that we can reveal. That God is three persons in one and can act as one. And that we can be hundreds of people and we can act as one. And when that happens, we get blessed. But God gets the glory because his nature is revealed. Is that clear? Do you understand that? Very good. Why do you think he wants husband and wife? Do you know that through marriage, God is revealing himself? Huh? Because he's revealed covenant. He reveals that two can become one. Praise God. As in him, three became one. Number two was a place for the what? An atmosphere. Is it atmosphere? For the what? Habitation of God. Is that correct? Huh? Or dwelling of God. Let me suggest this to you. God has three addresses on earth. In case you're looking for him. I'm serious. If you're looking for God, there are three addresses I'll give you now. Are you ready? I gave it to you on Holland Avenue. You forgot? Maybe you change your notebook. Okay. Number one. God is everywhere. Amen. Praise God. Okay. That's the first address. What's the first address? Everywhere. Okay. You know, you can know somebody everywhere, but you want to sit down with him. Is that correct? Okay. You know somebody, you know where you can find him. And you find him, two of you are standing. You say, but I, I need to sit down with you. You're asking for more. There's an inner address you're asking for. Is that true? If it's me at the end of service, you come with me. This is my address. But you say to me, Pastor, I need to, just don't rush. See all the people, I need to sit down with you. You're asking for the office. Is that true? So if you ask him for God's sit-down addresses, there are two more. Praise God. Your individual bodies, you can sit down with God there. That's address number two. Is that clear? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? The third address which applies to our message is the congregation of his people. Ye are the temple, plural, of the Holy Spirit. That was not a, that's not a figure of speech. Can I speak to someone here? I said that's not a what? A figure of speech. It's not. It is that the congregation of God's people, and that's the most powerful address of God. I'm telling you the truth. The congregation of his people. And that's why he said, destroy this temple, and I will destroy you. It was about the congregation of his people. Does anybody follow what we are saying here? So that third address is where the congregation of God's people, the fellowship of his people, is the dwelling place of God. Let me say it to you in a more intense way. The ultimate fellowship place, the ultimate temple, the ultimate uh, dwelling, the ultimate tabernacle that God is desired for is the midst of his people. I made a statement last week that goes something like this. That the one most intense yearning of the heart of God, amen, is that he might dwell in the midst of his people. Did we see it from scripture? Huh? Check from Genesis to Revelation. From the garden, he will leave heaven and come where? In the garden. Why? Because there was a fellowship of two people in the garden. Ah. Well, is that in your Bible? 
The Bible says he will come in the cool of the evening. Where is he coming from? From the wilderness? No. From a lake? No. From heaven. He, he, he didn't say, Adam, I know you guys. I, I don't want to burden you. I, you know, for you to come to heaven. No, I kept you here. I will come. The Bible says he used to. In fact, even after their sin, did he know from heaven that he sinned? Oh, he came because he had that inveterate hunger for fellowship. And when he came, they were hiding. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And then, when they became a nation, when his people became a nation, in Exodus 25, we saw last week, he said to them, Moses, take contributions and build a what? A tabernacle. Praise the Lord. For me, that I may do what? Dwell where? Among you. Fellowship. He's looking for a habitation. He's looking for a dwelling place. Where's the best place he'll find it? Among his people. So that's a purpose for the fellowship. Purpose number two. That he might have a dwelling place. A habitation on earth. Is that clear? Now you see what you may encounter when you're fighting fellowship. <laughs> you are putting a hole on the roof of God's dwelling. You are breaking down the brick. Hallelujah. You are defacing. You, sometimes some of our actions is like putting graffiti on the tabernacle of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you admired graffitis on, on in, 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 in front of homes and houses? Amen? It's very ugly. You hate it. Some of our actions in church if we see that we are like graffiti writers on the outside wall and the inside wall of God's tabernacle, we will stop what we are doing. Every one of us. Praise the Lord. So, they built that tabernacle. Moses built the tabernacle. Um, David came and built a better one. Guess what? Solomon came and surpassed them. That was the most expensive edifice ever built. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And God saw what Solomon built. And God said, indeed, you have built a tabernacle that I'm proud of. Is that true? Yes. Oh, the day they were dedicating it, God showed up in the cloud of glory. The musicians could not stand. The ministers could not stand to minister. Can I hear amen? amen. Can I shout? Can I hear hallelujah? hallelujah. They couldn't minister. And God dwelled there. And Solomon understood. Let me tell you this. Solomon got God to make commitments. When he finished building the house. Go and check the building, the, the prayers he built. And God showed me something interesting. I've shared it with you. You forgot, I'll share it again. God showed me something interesting. You know, when, when you really want to, if you want to have joy this afternoon, go and read the prayer of Solomon before the dedication of the temple. The prayer was prayed about Solomon's temple. In fact, he included me in the prayer. Oh my goodness. I'll show you how he included me. Praise the Lord. Oh, well, you don't want to take it. He included me. In, in one line of the prayer says, When the Gentile who does not know your name, oh Lord. He said, Wherever he is, and he wants to know you and your power. So when he looks in the direction of this temple, you will answer his prayer. Oh no. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Solomon saw me. Oh, thank you. Okay. You better put your name there. It's not a long list. I'm telling you. He said, if anyone is sick, 
And they enter. That's when he pray for healing. Are you, is somebody hearing me? He said, they come here and pray. He said, they will be healed. Go and read that prayer. I can't stop reading that prayer. But I, saw, I thought that was the end of that. He was praying for a physical structure. But let me show you what God showed me. So one day, I was studying the John 17. The high priesthood prayer of Jesus for the church. The Holy Spirit said to me, Do you know this prayer Jesus is praying is the new covenant equivalent of the prayer of Solomon for the temple? I said, what? He said, yes. I said, which temple? He said, the congregation of God's people is the new temple. That's why Jesus was praying. You know one of the things Jesus prayed there? Jesus saw me and put me in that prayer too. In the verse, in that prayer, he said, I do not pray for only this one, the twelve, and the disciples, but the ones that will come to know you through them. Oh, Lord. Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit said, this is the new covenant equivalent. Jesus is now building the real temple. What Solomon built is nothing. What's the new temple Jesus built for God? You. Remember last Sunday, we saw that you are precious stones. He said, Pastor, how are we temple? To be honest with you, Jesus himself is the temple. Yeah. Because he came and tabernacle among us. But he knew he would go. He said, let me use these ones to build the temple. He knew he would go. So he used us to build the temple. And so one day, he was coming back from a journey. Listen to me. And he stopped by the well and met that woman. Do you remember the story? Yeah. Amen? He was hungry. <laughs> but he was about to have one of the most exciting discussion in his life. He met this woman, sent his sons to go and get food for him. And for themselves, they came back, saw him talking with a woman. Some of the things I found in that ex exchange. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. They started having discussion. What people see most of the time is that he told the woman, you have had five husbands. That was more to that story. You know what excites me about that story? Jesus said, give me water. May I have some water, please? He added, please. The woman said, who are you? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You, you know there's a lot there. You're a Jew. You're a Samaritan. Are you asking me for water? Because Jews and Samaritans cannot drink from the same cup before Jesus came. They couldn't. Because Samaritans were mixed people. Amen? And when they... You know, you, know, you know how that story came about? There used to be one nation. Praise the Lord. And they had one temple. Where? In Jerusalem, Judah. Are you hearing me? But as things unfolded, after the death of Solomon, Jeroboam, Rehoboam conflict came up. The Samaritans, God called a man from among the, the northern kingdom, whose capital was Samaria. That's how they got the name Samaritans. They came, and this man built another temple in Samaria, which God didn't tell him to build. Does anybody follow? He set up a new set of priesthood, which God didn't tell him to set up. And you know what he said, why he did that? He said, if the people in my kingdom keep going to Judah to worship in the God-appointed temple that Solomon built, say their heart will turn and they will leave me in this kingdom of ten nations and go back to the kingdom of two. Praise God. No one can take what God has for you. Now, 90% of people can leave you in ministry. They can't go with your gift. 
Oh no, you don't understand. Praise the Lord. In one afternoon, the son of David, Rehoboam, the grandson of David, lost 10 tribes. You think people are leaving the ministry? I mean, in one afternoon, they left. They say, to your tent, O Israel. What, shall we, what do we have with the house of David? Ten tribes left. How many are remaining? Two. But God had made a covenant with David. Oh, come on. That there will not cease a time when a son from you will be lacking on my throne. The God of Ten Temple was still in their midst. When you are fighting someone God has set up, be careful. Are you following? Before you knew it, the northern kingdom went into a serious idolatry. Started by the one God appointed, known as Jeroboam. He set a standard in idolatry. His left standard of idolatry was called the sin of Jeroboam. Every king that committed idolatry, the measuring point was Jeroboam's sin. He said he committed the sin of Jeroboam. Do you understand? When you are asked to go and correct something, you turn out to be the worst. Say, God forbid. Praise the Lord. Anyhow, they went into exile. Judah also went into exile. But before they came back, the northern kingdom, before the northern kingdom came back, they were mixed up. Up to today. They never came back fully as Jews. They became mixed breeds known as Samaritans. But the south, even after their exile, they were intact as Jews. Are you following? Are you following? All right. So that's how you had this conflict. So Jews never saw the Samaritans as whole-blooded Jews. So they kept them where they kept Gentiles. That's what happened on that well. The woman said to Jesus, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are a Jew and you're asking me for water. What commonality do we have? What fellowship do we have? And by the way, doctrinally, we don't agree too. Because you people said that, you know, you said it's our father who gave us this word, Jacob. Okay, Jesus didn't talk. You notice Jesus was looking at the woman. And the woman was doing a Bible study. <laughs> he said to, she said to Jesus, you people said it's in Jerusalem where worship should be done. But we said it's in Gerizim. Jesus said, woman, <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. The hour is coming. And now is when those who worship him shall worship him where? In spirit and where? In truth. Gets the point. We are talking about the revelation of God's what? Habitation. Is that correct? The hour will come and now is when those who worship God will neither worship in this mountain location Brother Chima, what do they say in real estate about location huh thank you did you see that when you that means it's everything And what, Jesus, what this woman was trying to get Jesus into was real estate. <laughs> Where's the best place to locate the temple? And Jesus said, I don't want to be dragged into that, but I'm telling you, a new thing is coming. A new temple is being built. 
the hour is coming and now is when neither in Jerusalem nor in Samaria. Neither in this mountain or in that mountain shall people worship God. Amen? Amen. For those who worship God shall worship him how? In spirit and in what? Truth. Now over the years I grew up in hearing people interpret that scripture to mean you worship God from your heart, which is true. From the spirit. And when they say spirit, they do like this. Meaning, <laughs> it has to be from your heart. And it's true. It's true. But that's not the right scripture for it. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not knocking that. It is true. But worship God in spirit and in truth. It's true. But that's not the scripture. What is Jesus saying? The temple of God can no, will no longer be defined by what? Location. It will be defined by wherever the Spirit of God moves. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anywhere the Holy Spirit dwells and God's people gather, service can go on there, whether it's a cathedral-shaped building or not. That Spirit. Amen? How about truth? This was John. When John uses a word, he has two interpretations for it. Truth here, as used there, is reality. The worship God, the place they worship God now is the real place. In truth and in reality. The true place where God wants to be worshipped is not a physical temple. It is a temple built by people. Using people as bricks. Do you see fellowship? Do you see fellowship? So there, in other words, the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, the tabernacle of Solomon, we are only prefigures, types. Praise the Lord. Are you all following? Are you all following? They are types and shadows. The real thing first is Jesus. Are you all following? And knowing that he will be living soon, he wants his people to be the real thing. Does anybody follow? I'm telling you who you are. Amen? Okay. You heard Stephen last week. He spoke about God is not worshipped in temples built by hands. Did you read it last week? Alright. Before Stephen said that, Jesus walked into that temple of Solomon one day. Amen? And drove out the money changers and everybody. Amen? And when they made noise, he told them to understand that and got them. He said to them, destroy this temple. And what happened? After three days. What temple is he talking about? Not Solomon's temple. Huh? But what? The temple of his body. That's the real temple that God has sent to man. He said, but he, he deliberately, and Jesus can make trouble sometimes, I'm telling you. He deliberately said it from inside Solomon's temple. And the people say, oh my God. Do you know that when he was facing trial with Pilate, he said, do you have any charge? That was one of the charges they brought. They said, he said he's going to break down the temple Solomon, our father, built for thousands of years. And he will break it down. And even his disciples understood it that way. But after he died, the Bible says his disciples understood that he was not referring to that temple, but the temple of his body. Am I, am, am I speaking to you? But Jesus is not even satisfied for being that temple. Praise the Lord. So, 
Before he died. Listen to this. Before he died. He was on Mount of Olives. Having some summer downtime. And his disciples came to him. It's like. This guy has never. We've never had him praise this temple of Solomon. And they didn't realize he's the greater than Solomon. They came to him. Rabbi. Have you seen this temple? We've been waiting for you to talk about the beauty of this temple. Come on now. Praise the Lord. Have you seen it? Matthew 24. That's what I'm talking about. He said to them. Very, very, I said to you. Very soon. Not one stone will sit on top of each other. For it will be torn down. Hey! This man doesn't have reverence for the things of God at all. No. That temple is a type. It's not a real thing. Does anybody follow where I'm going? You follow where I'm going? He died. 40 years, the Roman army came. Tore it down. I say what? Tore it down. Herod tried to rebuild it many times. Herod was a great builder. <laughs> but the Romans did what? Tore it down. You know why? If that temple was still standing. <laughs> let me tell you. In God's plan, that temple couldn't stand and the church stand. You don't understand. You don't understand. We are so important. You know what's standing there today? Three of the biggest Islamic structures in, on earth. The second biggest mosque in the world is standing right on that temple. The only old part that is remaining is the wall on the western side of it. That's why they call it the western wall or the welling wall. Otherwise, what's standing there is three huge Islamic structures. Why? God did it that way. You know why? If God had allowed it to stand, all the old covenant religious practices would be going on. It would be a bigger distraction for people. Some of you Christians, you would never believe you have had church until you go there and offer a ram. Some Christians today, I am telling you the truth. Why do you think he never revealed where Moses was built? What was buried? Because the greater is coming in Christ. And you and I is the ultimate temple of God. That is the habitation of God. Hello, you all. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? After this temple is destroyed, there will be no more. Except the one in heaven. Praise God. I say praise God. I say, praise God. You are, I told you last week that you are precious stones. Today, you are going back home with that thought. You are precious stones. You will not be replaced. We will not be replaced. As stones, we will not be replaced. As a building, we will not be replaced. And we will function. We are structurally intensified. Are you making sense? Am I making sense to you? Oh, praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. And so that's what we are seeing here. That, that is the ultimate. Praise God. Turn with me to Revelations 21. Revelations 21. At the present time, until the end, until the end, this is the temple of God. You couldn't get a better temple. This is it, folks. Are you in Revelations 21? Amen. Hallelujah. Revelations 21, verse 21. 
I am going to read verse 1 to 3. There's at the end of the age. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Did you notice that? Made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, what? The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be what? Notice that. His people. And God himself will be among them. Did you notice that? Finally, that's an exclamation. The ultimate manifestation of this tabernacle is coming down. It's called the New Jerusalem. And his people is coming down like a bride adorned for his husband, his people. Further down in the book of Revelation, you'll see it some other time we'll talk about that. It said, and there was no more temple there at the end of the age. For the Lord and the Lamb are the temple. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So on earth, this is the authentic temple now. Do you believe that? And when we get there, no physical temple. God is going to be the temple. And we will be in fellowship in God. Why? Because Christ left to build that. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I am going to prepare the place. In the meantime, I'm taking the temple, which is me. I am taking it out. You will be the temple here and now. Did you understand? So fellowship, when you think fellowship, think of you and uh, that sister and that sister and that brother and that brother as being the temple of God on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three. Number three. Amen. A forum for the revelation of his name. A what? A forum for the revelation of his name and personal presence. A forum for the revelation of his name and personal presence. Our fellowship as God's people is a forum. You believe that? And what is the purpose here? It's a forum for the revelation of what? His name and his personal presence. Talk with me to Psalms 22. Psalms 22. David saw this from the Old Testament. Before anybody saw it, David saw it. Hallelujah. Amen? And David began to yearn for it. Verse 22. Here's what it says. Revelation, Psalms 22, verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brethren. Did you notice that? This is a prophecy about Jesus. It says, I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. David was speaking about the Christ to come. I will tell of your name to who? My brethren. And where? In the midst of the assembly. What is assembly? The fellowship of God's people. I will do what? I will praise you. The writer of the book of Hebrews took it up. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2 quickly. Hebrews 2. Hebrews, the second chapter. Amen. 
Hebrews 2. Let's look at verse 12. Amen. Verse 12 says, For both he, sorry, verse 11, For both he who sanctified and those who are sanctified are all of one Father. Who is he who sanctifies? Jesus. And they who are sanctified are who? Us. We. You see the full house there? The head of the house and the members of the house. Is that correct? You see Christian fellowship there? There we are all of how many? One. Now, how many people are there? You can count. Those who are sanctified are billions. And one head. Is that correct? If you can count the billions, then you count Jesus too. And you get the number. But there's no number. But he said we are all of what? One. One father. You see unity there? Praise the Lord. That's a large family. Okay? Okay. Saying, uh, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them who? Brethren. <laughs> Saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Do you see that the fellowship of the brethren is a place for the revelation of the name of God? Now, you may not understand the importance of the name of God. For without the name of God, we have no place. We have no identity. And the world will not know the name of God. They will not know God if they don't know his name. And the name we are looking at here is Jehovah. The name we are looking at here is Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me say this to you. The world is allowed to know him as God. He reveals himself to the world as who? God, Elohim. But to his people, he reveals himself as who? Jehovah, Lord. Do you understand? Now, people who don't know me personally, if they see me outside, they will say, that man. Is that true? But those who know me here, those of you here, I'm not that man. I'm your pastor. You, you, do you notice the difference? When I'm on the street, I don't tell everybody I'm pastor. Praise the Lord. You see the difference? Now, even if, when I go home, it's deeper. I'm daddy. Biological daddy. I'm spiritual daddy here. I'm husband there. I'm not husband here. Do you understand? So, <laughs> thank God he, he forbade that. There's a lot of problem already being pastor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you, are you hearing me? Okay, so that's a revelation of his name in the midst of his people. That's a major thing we need to know. That the God of heaven, whom the world knows as that God, is among his people known as the Lord, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, the great provider, Jehovah whatever, Jehovah whatever. The world doesn't know him as Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Rapha. No! Unless we now take of the revelation we got in the house and go and show them. Am I making sense? Now, notice that Jesus came into the world. God gave his son to the world. Is that true? But he didn't come to the world and say, I am Jehovah this, that, that, that. No, it's in the church. So if you want to call, call, know God real, you cannot bypass the church. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And if you want to get people to know God, you must know him as Lord. Let's look at another scripture there. Quickly. Go with me to Malachi 3. 
when the name is revealed, what happens? Malachi 3. I hope you can get to Malachi before the service is over. I have less than 10 minutes to go. Malachi. That's the last book in the Old Covenant. You just go to Matthew and make a left. That's the easy, because I'm running. Just hit Matthew, make a left. Okay, after the traffic light. All right. All right? All right. What verse? Oh, I didn't tell you. Chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. Malachi 3, 16. Let's see what it says. Tremendous scripture. Hallelujah. Pay attention. Wake up, everybody who's sleeping. Amen? All of you. Watch what it says. 16. Go to 16. Then those who feared the Lord, listen to that. Those, then those who feared the Lord spoke to who? What's that? Fellowship, thank you. They spoke to who? One another. Brethren, we must speak to one another. Hallelujah. They spoke to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it. Hallelujah. Amen. And the book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who esteem his name. Whoa. A book of remembrance. When we start speaking to one another, come on. The Lord opens a book of remembrance. What do we speak to one another about the Lord? You come and say, I have this problem. Somebody speaks to you about the Lord. Remember the Lord is your father. Remember the Lord is your shepherd. Remember the Lord is there for you. Are you hearing me? They spoke those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the name and who esteemed his name. Who are those who esteem the Those whom the Son has revealed his name. And what did they do with it? They used it to speak to one another. Whatever we are going through, the name of the Lord, from the mouth of any one of us, can give us peace. Did you hear me? You're going home today. I will let you go with the name of the Lord. In any situation, in a, for every circumstance, praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Turn with me to, hallelujah. Turn with me to John 1 3, quickly. First John 1 3. First John 1 3. First John 1 verse 3. Are you there? Here's what it says What we have seen and heard. We proclaim to you also, so that you may have what? Fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, so that our joy may be made complete. You see that? The name of the Lord is again revealed there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. In Acts 15... Go to Acts 15. The revelation of the Lord's name and his personal presence. Is that what we said, right? His name and personal presence is revealed. Not only his name, but his personal presence. John said that we, we saw it, we touched him. Did you notice that? That's real experience of the personal presence of God. That's what First John 1 John 1.3 said. Amen? Your, what did I say? What's the next verse? The next scripture. Acts 15, 12. Acts 15, 12 to 14. Quickly. Give it to me quickly. We're winding down in less than five minutes. 
And here it says, all the people kept silent they, when they gathered together to decide who among the Gentiles will be called believers. Do they have to be circumcised? What do we do to get Gentiles to be believers? Are you all hearing? Watch what happened. And the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Praise the Lord. Brethren, listen to me. Simon, Simeon, which is Peter, has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for who? For what? His name. What's that? The church. We are the people for God's name. He revealed his name to us. His name is upon us. We are called by his name. This is possible only in church as a fellowship. Are you following? But they are from Gentiles. You see that? Which was unheard of before. Amen. Praise the Lord. I said amen. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Amen. 1 verse 9. This is the fellowship. The purpose for fellowship here is a place, an atmosphere, or a place for the revelation of God's name and his personal presence. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, what verse did I say? 9. God is faithful through whom you were called into who? Fellowship with who? His son Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice, he's faithful. We are called into fellowship with him. Where? As the church, through whom? Jesus Christ. Matthew 18, 20, and we'll close there. Matthew, Matthew 18, 20. Remember, the purpose here for church as a fellowship is the revelation of God's personal name and his personal presence. Amen? Verse 20. Verse 20, quickly. I want it on tape. Amen. For where two or three have gathered together in my name. I am where? There in their midst. Where how many? Two or three. You, you see fellowship there? What fellowship is he talking about? The new covenant church. Are gathered where? Together. It doesn't have to be a meeting. Praise the Lord. I am there. Where? In their midst. So fellowship is the airport of God's landing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Fellowship is what? The airport. God wants to land on earth. They showed him every airport on earth. He said, no, not fitting for this airplane. Guess where? The church. The fellowship of his people. Wherever two or more of you are gathered together, I am where? In their midst. You know what Solomon prayed? All the long prayers Solomon prayed. You guess what? One, one prayer is asking. Put your name on this building. <laughs> That's all about Solomon's prayer about the temple. Because God warned, you can't just build a house for me anywhere. It's a place I choose. Come on, praise the Lord. And there I will put my name. So Solomon finished building. He said, I finished. You said you won't build on this rock. And you gave the condition. My father wanted to build. He said, no, don't build. It's me that will build. I have built. So come and put your name. But he has taken his name off of that building. Where's the new place? Wherever two or more of you are gathered, I, the Lord, will be there in your midst. That's who we are. A place for the dwelling of the Lord God. 
as individuals and as a congregation. Are you excited at that? Come on, come on, come on. Now, <laughs> this is part of why the devil is not happy with us. Are you all hearing me? This is part of why the devil is not happy with us. How can I let these people who just showed up yesterday be the temple of God? Hallelujah. But are you excited? That of all the things God would have called his temple, it is you and me. <laughs> if you're excited, I will see from the way you are going to stand. Hallelujah. I will tell you, oh no, I, now they beat me to it. 